Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting here with Melissa Ryan. Now, we were reminiscing before the show started about how we met each other. You came to one of my presentations on marketing, and uh, mm-hmm. we're marketing together right now. Look at this. Check that out. <laughs> we're creating some content. It's evolved, right? Now we're creating mm-hmm. content together. Um, and I think our careers have kind of you know, intertwined, intersected as we've been going. I've been sending you people, um, for those of you listening, she's a couples counselor that works with uh, couples in a really awesome like wilderness therapy type settings where you have them, you know, rock climb, mountain bike, do like really intense stuff and realize that all their drama, you know, comes out uh, on the rock wall. And in Colorado, that's a very popular thing. People tend to really love that. Yes, I would say I I actually take them out on the wall, but I do encourage that. But mostly it's more uh, walk hiking, I would say. But I do encourage my clients we do bring in a lot of the sports that they do because I mountain bike and get outside and we use that as a lot of our reference point for um, how to regulate ourselves and how do you work as a team when you're taking on a challenge in the outdoors. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, I've had so many fights <laughs> with people I've dated like on vacations or during some kind of physical activity because, you know, both people are stressed out. You're maybe in a new environment. And uh, you can see people's true colors. Let me put it that way. <laughs> it's true. And uh, my partner and I, and I have talked about like teaching people how to teach their partner because that comes up a lot when somebody's like, oh, I love this sport and I want to teach my partner how to do it. And there's a lot of fighting that tends to take place. Um, and a lot has to do with the approach of how do you teach someone you love? Um, in a way that makes it fun, where you can connect, like that it can be a platform for deepening your connection. Most of the time, I wouldn't say it happens that way. So we've talked about how can we uh, pass on our own experiences and help couples be more effective in that room. Yeah, I think it's really awesome, the work that you do. And I think it's really well needed. And I've just seen incredible results with some of the clients that we've worked on uh, together. But today, we're going to shift topics, and we're going to talk about your From the Ashes story. So what brings you onto the podcast today? Well, so today, what I'm going to talk about is uh, a miscarriage that I experienced um, right when we were in the thick of the pandemic, and things were in lockdown. Um, And coincidentally, at the same time, I also ended a business partnership that was just starting to bud. So there's this parallel of uh, something that was happening professionally that had just started to come to like into fruition that then ended very abruptly um, with what also was happening in my own body. There's a professional and a personal miscarriage. Yes, exactly. And how I navigated and continue to unpack uh, that experience. Yeah, so we were talking about how, through your experience, that, and I think it's true for a lot of women, at least friends that I've had too, that miscarriages aren't really talked about, even just from a medical perspective of what the symptoms are like, what the experience is like, you know, how the whole thing goes down. Um, can you share a little bit about just kind of, you know, logistically or, or, or in reality, what, what that what was that experience like for you? Uh you hit on that really well of like, there was a lot of unknowns and um, I'm currently pregnant again. And so I've been, that's been interesting too, just seeing how the miscarriage and that energy is impacting uh, this pregnancy that's almost full term. Um, And just with birth and with miscarriage, I didn't know a lot. Um, and my doula talked a lot about how most people don't like that isn't part of our education. And so uh, when I, there, like 
So I'm, I think it could be helpful to kind of give a timeline of how like events unfolded. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'll briefly say when I was, I didn't know I was miscarrying. I was spotting and I didn't know, um, I went to Google because <laughs> at the time I didn't have a provider in place um, that was an OBGYN or, or a midwife. And so I couldn't, I, if you don't have a current provider, you can't call call anyone right so I went to Google and was trying to read up and like you know when you Google things it gives you all kinds of information right it's like you're dying yeah (laughs) you could be dying or it talked about implantation bleeding which is like when the egg implants in the uterus you can have some bleeding so am I spotting because of that but then that means my dates are off or am I spotting because there's an issue like I had I really had no idea and then um, because we were in the middle of a pandemic. So kind of, I think, it, yeah, I think a timeline would be helpful to kind of talk out because I wrote it out and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so much going on. So um, I figured out I was pregnant at the beginning of April, April 4th. I took an at-home pregnancy. Three days prior, I sent a letter rescinding my business partnership um, which had been based off of a difference in opinion uh, between myself and the partners that I had uh, with this business on how to respond to COVID. So some executive orders were put into place for out-of-patient providers, as you know, Mark, mm-hmm. and we were trying to make some decisions about that. Um, and I was taking one approach and they wanted to take a different approach and we were not on the same page. Um, And it just also became clear that this was a business uh, that was already established that I, we had set up this and still, and still, I can't say the word satellite office (laughs) out of my office. um, That was its own thing. So they had like kind of like a corporate business and then this uh, satellite office where we were in joint partnership. And so it just became clear in our interactions that um, that was not working and that they were more seeing me as an employee with all the responsibilities of being an owner and a partner (laughs) and none of the perks, I would say. (laughs) And so at that time, I was experiencing intense stress. You also think about that time, like there's a lot of unknowns. I was feeling really tired. So I thought I was just stressed, but I also had missed my period. I was two weeks late, which I'm a pretty regular person uh, as far as that goes. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm just stressed. But no, I feel really weird. So I find out I'm pregnant three days after I end this partnership, which there was a lot of energy around that. Like I was really excited about it. Um, I was doing a new form of, not a new, but a form of therapy that's being more widely used now, neurofeedback. You probably know about it, Mark. Um, and I was seeing some cool results with my clients. And so I had all this excitement, energy, COVID hit. Uh, My partners and I are not on the same page. We're struggling with communication. I'm feeling super stressed. Then I start feeling really tired and thinking, well, I should take a pregnancy test. I take a pregnancy test. Then I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Because I don't have a provider and we're in lockdown and all the out-of-patient providers, unless you're having a crisis, are shut down. Yeah. So, yeah, weird time. So I (laughs) go back to my insurance and I do some research and I knew from just friends and family that I would probably uh, want a midwife. So I found a practice that was both midwives and OBGYN. Um, And that's just a different track. It's like the difference between a nurse practitioner, I would say, because they are certified nurse midwives and a doctor. So find a midwife, call them because it's COVID they typically uh, set you up with a, a appointment where um, they call it a viability ultrasound. And that's usually when you've been pregnant for eight weeks. And for for all of you, you might know this, but I didn't know anything. Like I didn't even know how they figured out how far along you are. And they determine that by the first day of your last period. So when I calculated that, they're like, okay, when I called them, I would have been about six weeks, they say, well, because it's COVID times, you're not going to be coming in at eight weeks to find out if this is a viable pregnancy. We're, they didn't schedule me out till 
13 weeks, which is the end of the first trimester. So I'm like, okay. So, and I know from our work as counselors that, um, that how the mom is in their experience of pregnancy wires the, the nervous system of the baby. So, you know, externally, right, we're in COVID. It's very stressful. I just ended this business partnership. My focus starts to shift on how can I de-stress myself? Because I know I've been carrying all this stress in my body, uh, which isn't going to help this new baby. So I start um, really focusing on all my self-care, like amping it up to the nth degree, right? So I'm meditating every day. I'm yoga, doing yoga every day. I'm walking every day. Um, we had set up our slack lines. My partner and I are both working from home. We're slacklining every day. We're trying to minimize the amount of exposure we have to the news because that's stressful, as you all know, given what was going on in the world. Um, and we really kind of cocooned during that time period, those first few weeks. And I felt so tired. I've never felt more tired in my entire life. Um which I hear is a, a sign of, of, of first-term pregnancy. Um, so for the first few weeks, I would say my partner and I are real connected. We're focusing on lots of self-care. And then all of a sudden, I start to feel better. And that feels weird to me. Like all of a sudden, my energy increases. Um, I'm not noticing certain symptoms that are connected with pregnancy. And then I spot so I have some bleeding and um, so I'm like well I gotta I should call so I'm googling first what could this be could be implantation bleeding could be miscarriage I called the provider that I had set up for an appointment at 13 weeks and they're like well since we haven't seen you we can't give you any advice because there's no established care really yes that's so unbelievable. That's like, <laughs> well, that's so broken. They're like, oh, sorry. Well, you're on the phone with a professional, but like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Nope. They wouldn't. Because of, yeah. I, you know, we're a CYCA culture, as we wow. all know. So they're, yeah, they're not telling me, right? And I'm, I'm nervous. Like, I'm anxious. I'm like, well, is it because another thing we were doing was this wheelie challenge on our mountain bikes. So we we're learning how to wheelie. And we practice in parks and I would fall. So I'm like, you know, did I just take a hard fall and I don't know it? Like, and I don't know anything about pregnancy. I don't know how, how much impact can a baby take? You know, like I just, there's a lot of unknowns for me. So um, they say, they don't just leave me there. They just say, we're going to have to schedule an appointment so we can establish care and find out what's going on. So I go in for an appointment. And again, remember, like we're in lockdown. I'm afraid, like, I'm pregnant. That means my immune system's more vulnerable. Am I going to get COVID? I don't know. This is, like, early April. Um, and so mid-April, I guess, by this point. And so... Yeah, but it was a lot of fear. I remember that. We had no idea so what this thing was. Fear. Yeah. Right? So I, like, wear gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, like, an yeah. N95 mask because we we've been doing construction. So I had this N95 mask. And I'm, like, going in, like, so stressed out. And my partner can't come with me. Because we're in, you know, and he would normally, like, he's such a big support in my life. And normally, like, he for sure would be there. And he can't be there. And I get an ultrasound. The ultrasound doesn't tell us anything other than um, they say you have a fetal pole, which is um, the name for the early stages of the fetus. And it's at six weeks, which doesn't align with your dates. Because based off your dates the baby should be nine and a half weeks and we should have a heartbeat. So they're like, so either your dates are wrong or we're really not sure. So then they say, we're going to draw your blood. And then in two days, you're going to need to go find like a quest diagnostics and they're going to draw your blood again. And we're going to look at what's called your HCG levels, which we all have. It's a hormone, but during pregnancy, it's called the pregnancy hormone because it doubles every uh, 48 to 72 hours during early pregnancy. And that's your body getting prepared, right? To, well, it's, a baby is growing, so it's it's needing all this growth. So they draw my blood on Saturday. So we go to this testing unit where I'm like, know that they're screening for COVID and my I, anxiety is, you know, a little high. So I'm doing my best 
to just breathe. Can't even imagine. Trust the process. And again, my partner can't come in with me, right? So he's out in the car. Um, and the people were so gracious. And fortunately, there was like no one there that helped my anxiety for sure. Um, and they draw my blood. But I'm, you know, it's going to take some time. And the midwife says, so they draw my blood on Saturday. They're going to tell me on Monday what the results are. Um, so on Monday, the midwife calls me and says, your results are inconclusive. Because they didn't quite double. <sighs> so they still don't know, am I pregnant or am I miscarrying? There's still a lot of unknowns. So then she says, we're going to schedule another ultrasound that's exactly a week from when you came in. So I had come on in on Thursday the week prior. I'm going to come in again on Thursday uh, that week. And then if the baby hasn't grown, then we know I'm miscarrying. Okay. So um, we go in. Uh, I get the ultrasound. And uh, and it's a miscarriage. Like the baby hasn't grown at all. Um, and... A lot more emotion came out than I expected. Um, and the ultrasound technician was lovely. The midwife was lovely. Um, and, but again, I'm by myself. And so I just really think a lot about, I've thought a lot about all the women that delivered this year and girls who go in to this process alone when it's not COVID. Um, it's really hard. It's such a, like, I didn't realize how much I had already like envisioned a life. And that's what the midwife talked about, you know, she, how much you envision of how your life's going to be different. And we, my partner and I had already started to co-create this new vision that ended abruptly similar to the business that had ended a few weeks prior. Yeah. That's gut wrenching, right? Cause I don't, I'm, I put myself in your situation. Yeah. Just imagining what it's going to be like to be a mother, imagining this new business happening, you know, like thinking about, oh, where's the baby going to be in the room, right? Like, oh, we got to get this crib. I mean, there's this, there's this grief around the future uh-huh. and around what could have been. And mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying, I like, you don't know it's there until you lose it. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, it surprised me by how attached I had already gotten to this new life form. Um, I think a big piece of it is that because COVID was happening, this was a, a way for my partner and I to refocus our energy. And then it materialized the way it did. So then we had something else to process. Well, thank you for walking us up to this point. Um, as we go into a commercial break, on the other segment, we'll talk more about what that impact was like, um, what that grief was like, the aftershock of getting that news, and how you kind of reorganized after that. So for those listeners out there, stay tuned, and we'll catch you on the other end of the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. 
Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and we're sitting across with Melissa Ryan, she was just sharing a really powerful story of a miscarriage that, I mean, the thing that stands out to me is just the vague information that you got the whole time of not even knowing if you were pregnant or not, then not even know if you were miscarrying or not, you know, searching on Google, trying to figure out what was going on, getting an ultrasound that was inconclusive, right? I mean, you, there's just so much of this, like, I mean, the image I have, um, you let me know what you think about this, the image I have is just like tumbling down a hill. Like just confused, lost, it like kind of hurts. You don't really know where you're going um, until you finally you finally get the news. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it really reminds me of um, my partner and I do a lot of things out in the backcountry of when we're like lost and we don't like there's this panic, but you know, panic's not going to help you. So you're trying to like ground and be like, okay, like. And yeah, maybe you've crashed. This has happened to me for sure, where I've crashed on like a mountain bike trail and I'm bruised up, but I got to keep going because I'm too deep in the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you stay as best you can grounded through that process and embodied? That's what I was really working on is how do I stay embodied and not disassociate? Because that's more my tendency when I get stressed is to disconnect, become disembodied. Right. I think I have the same thing. It's just to try to like not feel and power through. Mm-hmm. But in that, and I know we talked about it a little bit when we were preparing for this show, in that the emotions often hit me a lot later because they don't, you know, they don't go anywhere, right? They, they don't leave. They, they come back. I know you wanted to talk about um, disenfranchised grief. Could you let the audience know a little bit about what that term means? Because I don't think it's well known to everybody out there. Yeah, so my understanding of disenfranchised grief is just grief that isn't recognized by society and the culture at large. Um, So it can incorporate all kinds of loss. Uh, And I think actually the first time I ever heard about it was in the context of miscarriage. I was walking a couple through miscarriage pretty early on into being a counselor. And uh, I was seeking case consultation about this couple and um, one of my colleagues was like, oh, that's an example of disenfranchised grief. And I was like, what does that even mean? And, and then she explained it. And the tricky thing about miscarriage and, and was in my own experience is it often, ha- it is very, it's pretty common as we talked about, like they say two in five pregnancies and a miscarriage. A lot of that statistic is built upon the fact that many women miscarry and don't know it They don't even know they're pregnant, so they just experience a really heavy uh, period. Um, There's also, because of my age, which I think I mentioned, um, because I'm over 35, there's a a higher chance of miscarriage uh, because of that. And so what makes miscarriage grief complicated, and what I witnessed with this couple and other couples I've walked 
them through the grief process is that most of the time people in their support network don't even know that they are pregnant. Mm -hmm. So they don't know that there's been a loss, right? So people haven't shared, so they don't have support in place. Um, and even when you do share, and this is, you know, what come kind of happens a lot of times with disenfranchised grief, people don't know how to respond. Uh, and I found that that was really surprising to me, I guess, is I thought about how in my consultation groups with other counselors, um, which I was in two at the time, um, we even had never really talked about miscarriage and I mean, a little bit on conception stuff, like when couples were experiencing infertility, but very little was placed, like, was there a discussion on that um, about our clients and ourselves? And I find that interesting because, as you know, Mark, like, counselors talk about a lot of things. I mean... They were real quick. They were there, yeah. And they go deep, like, real quickly. Like, I remember my partner came with me to, like, this couples workshop, and half the people were in the couples were counselors and the other half were their partners. Oh my God. And, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Bloodbath. You can only imagine. Yeah. And, you know, we immediately start diving into trauma and he was like, oh my gosh, why are we talking about these things? I don't know these people. <laughs> I was like, Fair. well, well, welcome to the world as a therapist, you know? And I was like, this was what grad school was like for me. Uh, but you know, so like, it was strange to me that this isn't a topic, at least in my experience, um, that is talked about. And so, uh, while it's vulnerable, as I was sharing with you to talk about this now in this public setting, it's important to me because it, it helps, uh, I think, I think it can help, um, us be some more supportive of others and supportive of ourselves if we're walking through it. Um, and so at the time, while it's very against my nature and something I'm always working on, I knew based off of walking couples through miscarriage that seeking support early on would be helpful, even if people wouldn't know how to respond to me. So um, a part that I didn't share yet in my story is when I found out I was miscarrying, the midwife gave me three options. So I hadn't naturally miscarried yet, even though the pregnancy ended at six weeks and I was now at 10 and a half weeks. So my body was like holding on to this um, fetal pole and they don't want that to remain the case. Like you need to pass the tissue because uh, it can get septic in oh, your wow. uterus. Yeah, I didn't know it that. It can start to break down. And so she tells me, or she shares with me, you know, we need, you need to pass this. You need to release this. So you have three options. You can, we can continue to wait but I only want to give you another week, um, your body another week, so you can let it happen naturally. Uh, you can take this medication, which will force your uterus to contract. It will make you, it's, it's really uncomfortable and it will make you nauseous and probably not be a good time, uh, but it will more than likely help uh, the body release. Or you can have surgery. You can have what's called a DNC. Um, I didn't want surgery. And I didn't want to take the medication. So I was like, let's go for the natural option. Um, and she's like, okay, but like, you know, if by the same time, like even before the same time next week, you haven't passed, then I, we have to consider one of the other two options. Um, so I reached out. So this is me starting to assemble support. I reached out to an acupuncturist I know. And I said, is there stuff in Chinese herbs or acupuncture that could help me and my body? Um, again, this is in the context of COVID. And this woman hadn't been seeing any patients and she's like, I'll take, we can take some precautions. I can um, do some acupuncture on you and give you some herbs that can support the process. In the meantime, I want you to reach out to this apothecary. They can make some tea and some tinctures that can kind of help your body and your mind and your emotions. Mm -hmm. So I started putting that into place. Um, and uh, I did not pass it naturally. So I had the prescription from the midwife and my friend who knows a lot about medications was telling me how it was going to be a pretty rough experience. She's like, it's going to be painful. You're going to be really sick. It's probably going to last about 24 hours of just being a really rough experience because you're forcing your body to release uh, this pregnancy. So I did a lot of things to, to relax my body. I took baths. I, 
Um, I had just learned Reiki conveniently. <laughs> so I gave myself Reiki. My partner and I watched a movie. Um, all of these things to to really, you know, support myself. And then, um, you know, I went through the experience of releasing that, which had its own emotions because uh, the body's experiencing a lot of sensation. And so, again, trying to be embodied in that and feel into that. Prior to taking that medita uh, medication, I called my family to tell them I'm about to take this medication because I was pregnant. I'm now miscarrying. I called some friends. It was hard to do. Yeah, this is the first time they'd heard of any of that? Yes. Oh, so they're getting all of it at once. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but witnessing my clients and knowing that they're, the support is just so key, and because of the disenfranchised grief, I was like, "This, I need this even though I don't want it at the moment because <laughs> it seems hard. Like I'm about to do this really challenging thing, and connection's so key. Um, and it was helpful. It was helpful to reach out, um, helpful to process. And then a couple days later, I told my consultation groups what I had gone through. And we talked about it. And that's the first time I'd ever talked with other counselors about mid, you know, um, this process and how can we support clients. And a couple of my male colleagues said, thank you so much for sharing. Like, I had no idea what this experience was like. Um, that will make me more effective in supporting clients and just having that perspective. Um, we talked about how my partner responded very differently than me. Like I wanted to, well, I didn't want to, but I knew it was good to share with people. And I was like, hey, do you want to share with your family? He was like, nope. I was like, are you going to share with some friends? He was like, nope. And at some point I was like, why aren't you sharing with people? <laughs> and he says to me, because he's been with a counselor for, you know, 11 years. He says, Melissa, I have my own grieving process. Can you please respect it? Good on him. Good on him. He, you, he learned the language. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it really, this whole experience left me with, like, why didn't I have this knowledge? Like, I have so much knowledge in so many other areas. You know, why don't I, um, I've done work in the last couple of years around women's health because, um, uh, in a lot of ways, for my own knowledge, but in supporting my clients, you know? And, uh and realizing that, like, you know, when I work with couples where the women are having a hard time with intimacy, well, why is that? Um, and as I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole, a lot of the issue as I see it is women and just the world at large is really lacking education around the female reproductive system. Like, um, and how birth works and how this whole, you know, like we, do, we don't talk about it. Um, you know, many of my female clients don't even know their own anatomy. So there's discussion around that of how to, um, and as I've dove more and more into, you know, miscarriage and, and birth, I realized there's just so much education that just we do not have. And that's really surprising to me because birth and miscarriages are, are, they're a part of the human experience. They impact a good majority of us. Yeah, it's so wild. I mean, you were talking to me earlier about practicing birthing positions. And I was like, oh, like, aren't you just kind of on your back with your legs open on the, you know, stirrups or whatever? And you're like, absolutely not. Like, that is the most dangerous, unhealthy, scary position that could, you know, hurt the mother and, you know, perhaps kill the baby. Like, it's awful. And yeah. I'm like, but that's, that's all the movies have ever showed, right? Like, yeah, it, it is. It's crazy how much. And I have as a friend in particular, um, Francesco, who was on the show earlier, who you know his wife went through a miscarriage, and the same thing of just being like, not knowing how how common it was. Like you said, you know, two and five. That's forty percent, right? That's almost a coin flip of how common, it is, especially for first time pregnancies or you know older pregnancies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. Like, none of this is talked about. It, it's wild. It's wild. And there's a lot of misinformation. Not only is there no information, there's, there's misinformation out there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I I don't know that, that the stirrup thing, I don't know that it hurts the baby, but it definitely hurts the mom. So it's a position that's, like, counter uh, productive for the mom's body. 
which is important to consider from my point of view, right? Like pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that is like a not a good position for for the mom. Um, I think in the past the reason they did that is because they could see the baby and maybe it was easier for the doctor to access the baby. But it's 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 not with from what I've learned, you know, like uh, a supportive way for the mom and her body. Um, and there's so much like that. Like, as I've gone along this journey, mostly I felt a lot of rage <laughs> about how the system is uh, because I don't think it's empowering. And when I look at it through the lens of babies and moms and families, uh, we have a lot of growth opportunities in our culture to make it more accessible in terms of education, um, and more supportive for our families. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say? I'm trying to think. We are heading up on a commercial break now. Let's actually save it for the other end of the commercial break. So in the in another side, we will talk about educating some of our listeners. So if you're listening and you've, you know, are thinking about becoming pregnant or you've been through a miscarriage or you know, you're interested in women's health or women's, um, you know, issues in general, stay tuned because Melissa will do some education around some of the things that she learned through, you know, both your own experience and through research around this type of stuff. And we can hopefully give something back to our listeners. Um, and for those of you that are enjoying the podcast, check us out on social media, um, promote it, share it, like it, do all the social stuff. It really helps to get this really important information out there to as many people as possible. Um, a big part of what we're trying to do is to get this information out, make it free. It's in a place that's hopefully easy to understand, you know, rude to real human experience so that we can try to contradict some of the misinformation um, that's, that's out there in the world right now. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll catch you on the side of the break with some more education around women's health. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. Uh, Melissa, we were just talking over the break about, you know, how fortunate, privileged, resourced, you know, educated you are and how difficult it was. And you were mentioning how so many women and girls are not in that position at all. And my hope is that that last segment of the show can be getting some information out to people that are not in the same position. Um, So what would you want to share with somebody who's listening that maybe is going through it, has gone through it, is thinking about, you know, trying for a child? What would you want them to hear? I, for me, I think one of the most important components is even though I didn't know exactly what was going on, the stories that I had from my clients and my friends were really helpful of like knowing, okay, if I am miscarrying, I know there are people I can go to. I think support is just you know this too from working with our clients. That's so key. We're not meant to do things alone. Um, and sometimes if you're in a, you know, like I think about young women um, who might end up pregnant and that's, they might not be able to seek that support in their own family. Right. And I, I wasn't, it wasn't until college that I knew Planned Parenthood existed. I have no idea why, but I didn't even know that was a resource. Um, and that's, Like in my experience and um, many of my clients' experience, that can be such a supportive community. And the age of consent for medical services and mental health services just dropped in Colorado, uh, is now 12. So that means you do not need parental permission to seek these services if you're 12 or older, um, which is huge. Um, based on, you know, so see, so really seeking good for people to know that. Yes. Uh, at least in the state of Colorado, uh, <laughs> other places, um, the age of consent is different, right? So that's so huge. And I'm, I, I think there is some even more protection. So that was with mental health, but I think there can be some more protection with medical services, um, even more so than mental health professionals. I don't know that for a fact, but Planned Parenthood is an awesome resource because, in my experience, they have good information. They can talk with you about your options. Um, and so finding support, and I'm, I'm sure you've already provided this at some point, but, you know, like free counseling services, like, um, so you can, like, if you, you're like, I don't have friends or family that I can talk with. Um, there's been a lot of resources that have come out because that support piece is so key. Um, I think that's the biggest thing of being able to have somebody in your corner as you go through this journey. Um, Another piece that was really important to me is from what I've observed with birth is we just kind of follow this path that we see in the movies and on TV and we don't realize there might be other options Um, like that, that midwives are, you know, my uh, someone in my family thought midwives were like, I don't know, like a, shaman or something like they didn't think they were a real medical provider <laughs> yeah, but the image i have in my mind is like an amish woman or something right like somebody in like a bonnet and like a dress i mean i know that's not what it is but that's that's what the media tells me yeah and and they were like are you ever gonna take them to a doctor like inferring that like we weren't receiving medical care and i was like um they are getting like me and the baby are getting medical care uh midwives have been around some version of it since the beginning of civilization, uh, gynecology was only really created in the late 1800s. So if we're talking about new age treatment, from my point of view, an OBGYN is the new age treatment, right? And that doesn't mean that OBGYNs don't do fantastic work. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, the, the, but finding the provider that works for you. Like I knew a midwife's approach was going to be a better fit for me, but most women don't even know that there could be another option that you could um, step outside the realm of OBGYNs because they are, there is a different approach in how midwives um, see, they see birth and, 
and miscarriage as normal human events. And, you know, an OBGYN is more likely to take it through the lens of this is a medical process and we need to, to approach this as a medical procedure. And that has very different energy. So I think just knowing that piece for me really helped with the miscarriage because the midwives spend more time, like because of managed care and OBGYN was, is likely going to spend what, 10, 15 minutes with you. Every time I've met with a midwife, both during the miscarriage and then in my current pregnancy, I'm with a different provider because of the birth choice that I have of where I want to give birth. Um, but it's just another midwife. They spend usually an hour at every yeah, appointment. That's huge. That's a huge difference. So huge and so much education. Yeah. Um, and like if you've done birth several times and you've really, you're like, OBG, my, I trust my OBGYN. That's the route I want to go. That totally makes sense to me. If you're a first time parent, like I am having that extra time has been critical. And then what's really interesting is in the past, um, access to midwife services was actually easier uh, for some people if they were low income, um, that it was harder to access with certain, I mean, this is changing um, and it's changing worldwide where midwives are becoming more accepted, even though, as I pointed out, midwives have been doing birth for a long time. Um, but yeah, there's, so I think that's a big piece, like knowing there are other options for how you walk this route of pregnancy, um, the support piece. Um, the other piece that I've learned um, is to do your best to trust your body. Like intuitively when um, I started to feel better uh, when I ended up having the miscarriage, even though I was feeling better, it felt off. Like I felt like something was off and then I ended up spotting and miscarrying. Um, so I think that's a big piece, although that was challenging at times because I was like, well, if the pregnancy ended at six weeks, but I didn't spot till nine and a half weeks, what was that difference? Like, why didn't I sense sooner, I guess, that things um, played out the way they did? I think because I was really stressed and not as embodied as I would have liked. Um, so as best you can, and from what we know about trauma, if you can stay in your body and breathe through sensation, that bodes better for you if you're trying to conceive, right? So stress for sure does not help with conception. Um, and it also doesn't help when you are pregnant, right? Because all those hormones go to you and your baby. Um, so what you can find to, to help you breathe, self-care is crucial. Uh, more self-care than you've ever given yourself, uh, which society might tell you you're selfish, that you're being lazy. I say, can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Fuck I'd say fuck that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck that noise. Uh, because who cares? That I man, I just I tell my clients, I was like, I don't know if you have a rebellious streak. I certainly do. And and I was like, and I like being rebellious in this way. Like self-care sometimes that helps me access it. I'm like, this I'm saying fuck you to a system that's bringing me down. And by engaging in this self-care and prioritizing this and prioritizing maternal health, which we don't, despite all our resources, don't do well in this country around maternal and infant health. And it really impacts the same populations that are impacted by a lot of economic injustice and oppression. And so one of your ways to bring down the patriarchy, <laughs> from my point of view, is, is through that self-care and education. Yeah, I think those are fantastic resources. And I think it's a great frame for people to have. I mean, you have to do another separate podcast on the selfish thing. I just see that come up, I think, primarily in my female clients. I think there is like a patriarchy, oppression, like brainwashing thing that happens. I think men, we have our own, certainly have our own things. But we'll have to talk in the future more about this selfish thing because I really see it like bring women, I think in particular, to their knees and really like screw their head up you know? Yes. Well, that's probably been, this could be its own podcast. Uh, one of the biggest things I've been working through with this pregnancy is getting to a space around 
what it means to be a mother in a way that feels empowering to me. Um, Glennon Doyle, actually, I was reading her book, Untamed, and I channeled her energy when I ended that partnership. She talks a lot about motherhood being like the highest rank, you know, status a woman can achieve in our culture is a selfless mother, which literally means no self. Mm -hmm. And that does not suit me. <laughs> and, and, wow. and that does not feel empowering. And, and, uh, and through this whole process of the self-care for me, it's reclaiming I am a self, I matter, because that's what I want this kid to know. There's a self that matters, as do all the other souls on this planet, uh, that life is precious and we should honor the sacred. And we honor that sacred by taking care of our uh, of us but through self-love and care. Um, so that's what I also would want moms and their partners to walk away with. How can we support um parents in in giving that self-love because they're modeling to their kids those behaviors that's an incredible message to send out on the airwaves i really hope listeners have hung in for this long and are able to hear that uh melissa as we're wrapping up here where can people find you if they want to work with you or they want to learn more about you uh where are you on the internet <laughs> yeah yeah so um i mean we haven't I'm in transition, big surprise, because uh, I went through like a, I don't know, uh, a reflection period after that partnership ended. So I'm, for counseling, like couples counseling, individual counseling, my website is Cambium Counseling. Cambium being the part underneath the tree, Sp underneath uh, the bark. Spell it out, spell it out for people. Uh, so it's Cambium C, as in cat, A M. B-I-U-M, counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.com. So Cambium Counseling. And then I am going to be launching a new company. The website's not up yet, hopefully in the next few weeks, called The Send. Um, it's to help organizations and companies be more culturally and relationally aware. And that is The Send, T H E. S-C-E-N-D.org. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for those listening out there, if you want to hear more from Melissa, if you want to get her back on the show, choose an email at podcast at mark-azulay.com. Um, I'll pass anything on to her if you have any feedback or comments or, or reaction from what you've been hearing during this past hour. And thank you so much again for tuning into From the Ashes, and we'll see you again next week with another story of triumph and defeat. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.